Our second scripture reading comes to us from from uh, Romans chapter one. We're going to read verses fourteen through seventeen. Romans chapter one, verses fourteen through seventeen. You can find it in your pew Bibles on page one thousand seven hundred forty-seven. One seven four seven. Romans chapter 1, verses 14 through 17. I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are at Rome. I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Thus ends our reading of God's powerful word. May all who hear it not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Two weeks ago, when, when we were going through the end of Matthew chapter 9, we saw the story where Jesus looked upon the masses and he had compassion on them because they were, they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he, and he said to his disciples this, the, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. No sooner did he, did he say that than he gave authority to 12 of those disciples, calling them apostles. They were his messengers, if you will, who would go out into the world and spread this good news about the kingdom. And the challenge that I put forth to you that Sunday was this, that the harvest is still plentiful. There are still people who need to hear this message. God is still calling his disciples to be laborers in his vineyard. And this falls in line with, with our church's mission statement. Who here knows what our church's mission statement is? Did they already put it up? I was going to challenge you guys. Yeah, it says our church exists to introduce people to Jesus Christ and to train those who already know him. Now, if, if the first half of our mission statement is all about evangelism, then we as a church need to become experts at sharing this message. So, so here's what I'm going to do today. And this is either going to be a massive success or a huge failure. I, I'm not going to preach to you today, but I'm, but I'm going to train you on how to share the gospel. And here's why I'm doing this. I, I think it is vitally important for us as a church to be able to proclaim this message well. And in the past, when I when I've tried to have like a class or, or do this during Sunday school, hardly anybody came. That's why I'm doing it here today, because this is something that that everyone in the church should know how to do. And I think one of the major reasons why so many Christians don't share the gospel with others is because they don't know how to do it. And this, that's a major problem. 
I mean, what did we just read today in Romans 1? I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. The gospel is the power of God. And the only way that a person can find salvation is if this message is proclaimed to them. And if that is the case, then, then, then shouldn't we as a church, we as God's people become experts in sharing this message? So, so here's what I'm going to do. You, you guys were giving some handouts today. You guys have those handouts with you? Who doesn't have a handout? Alright, who, who has a pen? Who needs a pen? I got a box of pens up here that, uh, that Ted and Julie will hand out to people who need pens. Raise your hand if you need a handout or a pen. All right. So in, in these handouts, you're going to find two sheets of paper, right? One labeled gospel questions, and the other shows a diagram with a cross on it. I want you to pull those out, grab your pen, or if you have a pencil, and I want you to follow along, and I want you to fill out the empty slots as I demonstrate to you a clear way you can share the gospel with someone. Are you guys ready? Who's not ready? Raise your hand. I see no hand, so I guess we're ready. Alright, so the first thing you need to do is to figure out how to get the conversation started, right? How, how do you go from talking about sports or about the, 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 the latest movie that you watched or whatever the topic of the day is and, and move towards the topic of God? Well, here's what you shouldn't do. You, you shouldn't try to use some cheesy analogy and trying to shoehorn Christ into the conversation. You know, something like this. Oh, speaking of the World Series, do you know who the true champion is? You know, one, you're not as clever as you think. Two, it's not going to go over well. And it probably won't lead to a gospel conversation. The, the best way to transition is to just make that awkward question and just say, hey, do you, do you mind if I ask you something personal? You know, get their permission first. And if they say sure, then you have your opening, right? And then what I typically do is I'll ask them one of these starter questions. Do you ever think about God? Or maybe, do you believe in God? What are your thoughts about life after death? What do you think will happen to you after you die? You know, you only need to really use one of those questions. The, the, the goal is, is getting, getting them to talk about this stuff and, and thinking that direction. But it's also a chance for you, for you to get a feel of what they truly believe. You know, once, and once you have that conversation heading in the right direction, there, there's a specific diagnostic question that I will always ask. And it's this, if you were to die today and you stood before God and he asked you, why should I let you into heaven? How would you answer him? How they answer that question will tell you a lot about what they truly believe. And what I, what I typically find with people who, who don't know the gospel is that they will try to justify themselves through their good works. 
you know, I, I, I try to be a good person or, uh, you know, I, I give to the poor or something, something along those lines. Now, I don't try to judge them for their answers or tell them, no, you're flat out wrong. Um, what, instead, what I try to do is I try to transition into the gospel uh, by asking them, would you be interested in hearing about what the Bible has to say about life after death and how you can be saved? And if they say no, then I just tell them, you know, well, if you ever change your mind, just let me know. And then that's that. But if they say yes, then you have that open door, and it's now time to share the gospel. But how do you do that? There, there are really five main points that you have to remember. God, man, Christ, response, and promises. God, man, Christ, response, and promises. One for each finger. Let's, let, let's do that together. You, you, you try this one. God, man, Christ, response, promises. All right. You, see, you already got it. You're learning fast. What I do then is then I, I usually get a blank sheet of paper and a pen or a pencil, and I go through what I what, what is known as the bridge diagram. And this is just a simple way to explain the gospel in a visual manner. It lets them see that the problem that man has and the solution that comes through Christ. And so we begin with God. And I typically start off by asking them, you know, how would you describe God? What are, what are God's character traits? And after they tell me what they think, I then share with them how the Bible describes God. And there's really three main things that, that I try to stress. The first and the most important characteristic about God is that He is holy. In fact, often in the Bible you, you, you find the word holy being repeated three times to describe God because it's that important. Revelation 4 verse 8 says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Now, to be holy means to be set apart or distinguished from all the rest. For example, when I was growing up, my mom had two sets of dishes. What about you guys? Did your mom have two sets of dishes? Yeah, there, there were the everyday dishes, and then there were the, the good dishes that were, were set apart for holidays and special occasions. They were the holy dishes, right? Well, God is set apart in, in, in two, two ways. And, and the first is that He is the creator of everything. All that exists. Not a, not a single atom in this whole universe came into existence without Him creating it. And because He created everything, He has authority over everything as well. In other words, He is the King. He is the Lord. The other way that God is holy or that He is set apart is in His goodness. He is righteous. His morality is perfect. In fact, He defines what is good. He is the standard. And what is His standard? Well, this brings us to His next characteristic. God is loving. In fact, First uh, John 4, 8 uh, states that God is love. And, and the type of love that the Bible talks about here is, is a selfless type of love. 
is putting another ahead of oneself. And it, it is this selfless love that is the kind of love that God has for his creation. He, he puts the well-being of his creatures ahead of his, uh, ahead of his own well-being. Now many people think that because God is loving, he will just forgive them of everything they've done wrong. But that is not the case. Look at, look at Numbers 14, verse 18. This is what it says. The Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiving sin and rebellion. Yet, he does not leave the guilty unpunished. And this leads us to our third major characteristic that describes God. The fact that God is just. His justice is perfect. He, he rewards all good and he punishes all evil. There's not one sin, not one bad deed that God will overlook. He will bring punishment for every evil act, whether big or small. And so what we see here is we see that God is holy, He is loving, and He is just. But what about man? How, how would you describe man? And that's, that's the next question that I would ask them. Is man basically good? Or is man basically evil? And, and I ask them these questions in order to gain an understanding of how they view society, the world around them, and, and even their own sin. And then what I do is I, I would bring them back to the Bible, showing them the, the three, three characteristics that describe man. And, and first is that man is a created being. They are a part of God's creation. And because of this, they, they fall under his authority. Genesis 1 verse 27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And yet, even though we are created in God's image, we have fallen short of God's standard because of our sin. And this is uh, the second characteristic about man. That man is sinful. And it's at this point that I want to make it very personal with, with the person I'm talking about. And, and I'll ask them, would you consider yourself to be a sinner? Have you ever sinned? And if, if they think of themselves to be a good person, then what I'll do is I'll usually take them to the Ten Commandments, demonstrating that, that they have broken God's law and have fallen short of His standard. And because of the sin, and because God is a just God, they find themselves under the penalty of sin. And they stand condemned, which is our third characteristic. Man is condemned. They are under the wrath of God, and they're destined for hell. They're, they're helpless because they have been found guilty. And God must punish all that they have done. 2 Thessalonians uh, 1, verses 8 and 9 says this, He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of His power. Essentially, because of their sin, they have been barred from God's goodness and there, there is nothing that they can do about it. There, is, there has become a great chasm between God and man. They are helpless and they are in need of a Savior. 
And it's at this point where I transition into the good news about Jesus. And so I'll ask them, you know, what, what do you believe about Jesus? Who, who is he? What, what has he done? And then there are, there are three things that I will stress. First, that Jesus is God in human flesh. God became a man in order to rescue his people. And how did he rescue them? By, by, by doing what we could not. Jesus lived a sinless life, being obedient to all of God's commands. 1 Peter 2, verse 22 says this, He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. You see, Jesus lived the life that we should have. He was righteous in every single way. And, but, but he did more than just that. He then took upon himself the, the punishment that we deserve, fulfilling God's justice. He died on the cross for our sins. You see, it should have been you and it should have been me nailed to that tree. But God loved us so much that he bore the judgment that was reserved for us. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 3 says this, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And so we see, Jesus took upon that punishment that we deserve, the punishment for our sins, when he died on the cross. But he did more than just that. If you look at the very next verse, look at verse 4, it says that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Jesus was in the ground for three days, but then he rose from the dead, demonstrating his power over all things, even death itself. And so who is this Jesus? He is God in human flesh. He lived a sinless life for us. He then died on the cross for us. And then he rose from the dead for us. And he brings salvation to all who trust in him. Which leads into the response. And there are two things that God requires for a person to receive this salvation. And the first is faith. And so I'll ask the person if they understand what I mean by the word faith. Faith is, is just another way of, uh, of saying trust. For instance, when I, when I go to sit down on a chair, uh, I have trust that the, the, the legs of the chair will support my weight. That's, that's, that's faith. God asks the same thing from us. He, he, that we would trust in Jesus, both in who he is and what he has done for us. That he is God in human flesh, and that he died for our sins, and that he rose from the dead. And so, you know, I'll ask them, are, we, are, we, are you trusting in this Jesus to rescue you from your condemned state? Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9 state this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so let no one can boast. And so what we see in this, in this verse here is that salvation doesn't come from doing any good deeds. And often the, the person that I'm talking to will, will have put forth their good deeds to the, to the diagnostic question that I asked them earlier. Um, but salvation, it comes through faith in Jesus alone. But along with this faith comes repentance. 
And so I'll ask a similar question then. Do you understand what I mean when I say the word repentance? Um, often people don't know what this really means. Um, it's not a common word in our vocabulary. But repentance, all it really means is to change one's mind. It's doing a, a 180, if you will. It's, it's turning away from sin and a turning towards God. It's taking this posture of, of wanting freedom from your sins and, and desiring the righteousness of God. Romans 6, 11 says this, In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Basically, if, if you are repentant, you are telling God, I, I can't do this on my own anymore, but I need your help. Please set me free from my sins and help me to follow you. And so the, the, the response to the good news that God is looking for is repentant faith. And now at this point, you, you've really shared enough for a person to fully understand the gospel message. And if you feel that the, 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 the person is being responsive, you can pause the presentation, just skip down to the, the question that gauges their understanding. But if that's not the case, then I would just continue on to the promises. It's, it's here that, we, that, we, uh, that I want to share three things that God gives to those uh, who do have repentant faith. The first is the forgiveness of sins. Ephesians 1 verse 7 says this, In Him we have redemption through His blood for the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. And so I ask the person, do you want forgiveness from God? And then why or why not? The second promise that I'll point out to the person is, is, is that is the gift of the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of God that, that dwells within a believer. He is the very one that, that will give a person faith to believe and will help that person to repent from their sins. Romans 8 verse 9 says this, you, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. It's the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. Again, I'll, I'll ask him this question. Do you want to see the Holy Spirit work in your life? Why or why not? And finally, God promises to you eternal life. Romans 6 verse 23 says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you want eternal life? Why or why not? And then when I've all done with this, when, I, when I've shared the gospel with them, I want to gauge their understanding of what I, I just explained. And so I ask them, according to what I just shared with you, what is required of a man to gain eternal life? And if they tell me repentance and faith in Jesus, then I, I know that they've understood. But if, if they tell me something else, well, then, then it's my job to figure out where they got off track, and, and I may have to go over some things with them again. But... But if they do understand, just because they do understand doesn't mean that they believe. And so there's some final questions that we need to ask for them. And one is, you know, a simple question. Do you believe this? Do you believe this message? 
If they answer no, then, then typically I'll, I'll ask them this. What, what don't you believe about this? Or uh, what is holding you back from believing this message? And how they, how they answer those questions will help you with your next steps as you continue to reach out to that person. And then there are, there are two more questions that you should also ask. One, uh, would you like to talk about this some more in the future? Uh, you always want to leave that door open for them uh, so you can continue the conversation. Uh, two, invite them to church. You know, would you be interested in coming to church with me sometime? Uh, now, oftentimes, sharing the gospel with someone is a long journey. Uh, it's like that video that we wa just watched with, with Jeremy. Uh, he had been sharing the gospel to his friend Shane for, he said, for three years. And yet, we saw Shane's chair was empty, right? But that doesn't mean that Jeremy is giving up. It's like he said, evangelism is about loving people. It's about not wanting to see the, the, the people in our lives go to hell. And that's why this is so vitally important for us to learn how to share this message clearly. Because if we truly believe that the gospel is the power of God for the, for the salvation of everyone who believes, then, then why aren't we sharing it with everyone? Now, I, I don't expect you guys to know this by heart after just, just hearing it once from me. Um, so I, I have a challenge for you guys. Go home and practice with each other. Share this with each other. You know, get out a pen and paper, see what you can do. Uh, use your notes as a cheat sheet, you know. Um, uh, and one thing uh, I'm going to give to you guys, uh, if I can get Ted and Julie up here again. Uh, I have another handout. It's the same form. The reason I didn't give, give this to you at first because I want you guys to take notes to make sure you're paying attention. But here's, here's the, the full sheet filled out with all the verses, verse references on them. Um, so you can take those home. That can be your cheat sheet. Um, but go home. Learn how to do this. And then go out into the world and, and, and tell everyone about it. And before we pray, before we close and pray, um, I want to know if anybody has any questions. It's kind of a different format today. Joni. Um, is there a, a chance to give your own, your own testimony so that they know that you are identified with them, that they know that you are a sinner yourself? Yeah, yeah. Because sometimes I think that that implication. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, a, that's another thing is uh, one thing that we should also try to learn how to do is to share our own testimony, our own journey of how God took us from unbelieving to repentant faith. Uh, and yeah, you can put that in there wherever you want. Um, probably when you're talking about sin, uh, it's one way that you can relate to them. Um, they can relate to you. 
but basically, if, if you want to share your own testimony, some, some of the big things uh, you need to consider is uh, how you were before Christ, how you heard the message, uh, uh, your, how, how God changed you after you believed. Uh, those, those are the three basic points of sharing your own testimony. Does that make sense? Any other questions? Yeah. What do you say to a person that you come up and want to talk to them? They say, "Well, all I'm going to get is what the most I can get out of while I'm here." But afterwards, there's nothing. Yeah, and the the, the big big challenge there is that they 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 don't believe in an afterlife, right? Yeah. Yeah, and is there any way any person can say to make them? Oh, you, you can't make them believe anything. Yeah, it's God that's got gone. Yeah, and that's that's really the, the the whole thing about evangelism. We can only communicate a, a message. We can't change anyone's hearts. The, the God, the Holy Spirit, needs to work in a person's heart to to change them. Does that make sense? And so, if if they are I don't believe in God, or if they don't believe that there's anything after life um, or after death, uh, then you know you you know unless God changes their hearts, um, you you can quote scripture to them, um, you can share the gospel to them, uh, but until God changes their hearts, uh, it, it's not going to have an impact on them. Does that make sense? And so there's just there's some people who you were going to talk to and. It nothing makes them out of it, um, and that's okay. You did your job uh, as an evangelist. And that's that's a good time to do what Joni suggested. Is actually, you know, like you know what I believe. I, I couldn't live my life that way. Mm-hmm. This is what I believe. And give your own testimony. But that's then that's what you believe. I got by. That's okay. That's okay. If that's just a conversation you're having, then it's the Holy Spirit's job. To, to pull that card. It's, it's not yours. Yours is just to present it. So you can present why it's important to you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Josephine, you have a question. Well, my problem is I can't remember the scriptures. Yeah. Yeah. I read them and I know them, but I don't know where they're at or this. Or yeah, this. yeah. And I just don't know the scriptures. And, and that's fine. You, you could try to try to do some memorizing, but if you can't memorize them, um, if if you know the five points, right? We have God, man, Christ, response, and promises. Um, and you know kind of the basic points underneath those five points. You can still go through this presentation without going through any of the scriptures. You just say, hey, the Bible says this about God. He's holy. The Bible says this, that he's loving. The Bible says he's, he's just. You don't necessarily need to quote the scriptures to them. Um, but if you have them, then they're just useful tools. Does that make sense? Tony. Um, I also like Jeremy, was that his name in the yeah. video? I liked his point about loving people because mm-hmm. um, I've always felt like they don't really feel like you care about them. And you know, that's why I think sometimes some of this can stem out of a relationship you have with somebody. Yeah. And you're pretty sure that's not no choice yet. But um, if they know that you really love them and care about them, 
I think it's big. It's yeah. huge because you are showing the love of Christ then to that person. Yeah. And, and sometimes you have to do that for quite a while, you know, if you're mm-hmm. willing to listen to anything else. Yeah, yeah. We definitely, you know, the, the point that we need to love people is is very, very important. If we're, if we're just doing this just to put a notch in our belt, then we're doing it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Rick? Yeah, I'd just like to encourage folks in that idea because uh, I just spent a few days uh, a week or two ago with a friend of mine who was actually instrumental in bringing me to Christ. And as a teenager, I remember being more or less a skeptical person. And what changed me or gave open my thinking to listen to them, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, just a short brief testimony, when they came to my house the first time, they'd ask me in school to come see me after school. I didn't know what it was about, so I actually jumped the back fence and took off. <laughs> didn't want to talk to these kids. But uh, I noticed something about them was different in school. Because uh, I had known them the year before, and they'd gone to a summer camp and dedicated their lives to Christ over that summer, and were really on a mission to share the gospel. And uh, so the point I'm, to, to shorten this a little bit, the point I'm making here is that um, there's a lot of roadblocks, like you mentioned the one roadblock, well, I don't believe in an afterlife. So, you know, there's a roadblock where people say, well, I don't believe this, the Bible is anything special, it's just another book, you know. But in the end, what brought me to Christ was the testimony and lives of those young men. They were different. There was something unusual. And uh, and then the Holy Spirit took the things they shared with me, which weren't a great apologetics lesson. It wasn't like, here's you know, nine reasons to believe in, in, that there's a God or you know, any of these things. It was simply the gospel. It was the power of the Holy Spirit that broke through all those objections. Yeah. And in the, in the end, that's always... The way it works. Yeah. It's not facts, it's not rhetoric, it's not persuasive argument, it's the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and that's that's uh, very, you know, it's encouraging to hear your story. Um, and oftentimes, you know, we, we do put up these smoke screens, like the, the questions that, that, that Jim mentioned, you know. And a lot, of, a lot of times these smoke screens, there's something behind them, right? There's something else going on in people's lives uh, as to why they're not believing. You know, maybe some hurt in their past or, um, you know, some, something that maybe they did. Uh, but the, the, it typically, uh, when, when I find people who don't believe in God, uh, there's usually something else going on there um, behind that belief. And so one of the things that we can do is if we're friends with that person, uh, get to know them better, uh, love on them, and try to figure out what it is that, that's really holding them back than just these philosophical questions. Because there's, some, there's something deeper going on usually in the person's heart. Does that make sense to you guys? Yeah, Karen. Just to follow up on that, so Jim, the thing that I would be assuming that you actually know this person a little bit yeah. is it breaks their belief. Why do you think that there's nothing after life? Why do they think that? Yeah, yeah they them talking about their beliefs. So then you have confirmation still. Right? And the difference is yeah. it's actually a great conversation to start. So I don't, I don't believe that, but I don't believe that. 
because now they're actually expressing faith in something. Whatever it is, it's something else, and how does that work? It's like, you know, I don't believe there's a God, I don't believe there's afterwards because I've got MS, and how would he do that to me? And yeah. That type of thing, you know. So, uh, yeah, there, there you, you go. seem to want to have a, you know, I, I know what I believe, and, and that's what it is. Yeah. But yeah. I get to that, and, you know, uh, thank you. Yeah, and I think the point that Karen made is, is great. We always want to be asking questions, right? We, we don't want this. Uh, the best way to share the gospel with someone is in conversation with that person. Um, so be asking them questions. Get them thinking. Challenge some of their notions, like Karen said. Um, because, you know, it, 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 you know if, if it's just you speaking the whole time, um, who knows how much they're listening. But if it is in conversation, then you, you, you're going to have their attention more. Um, but that's, that's a good point. Anyone else? Yeah, right. Just to add a little bit to that, so that's, uh, I noticed that in the Gospels, Jesus does this a great deal. Mm-hmm. He has, and I think you're absolutely right, that's the approach that gets the conversation with Ask some questions. Yeah. And give them time to uh, go home and think about it, you know, and say, you know, let's meet again, think these things over, let's, you know, yeah. pressure them to make a decision right then and there. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, it's not really respecting them. Let them go home and think about these things and say, let's meet again, you know, here's my phone number, let's set up a time, let's mm-hmm. get together again. Yeah, and here's the thing, you, you never know when a person truly believes. You, you can't be the judge of that. Uh, you know, I'm not a big fan of getting them to pray a sinner's prayer. Uh, put that forward. I, you know, my, my personal opinion on things like that is, uh, is is trying to get them to do something. Um, what, what our desire is, is for true faith. Um, true, repentant faith. Um, so whether it's that day or the next, uh, doesn't doesn't matter to me. Um, and so I, I, I don't ever really go through any sinner's prayer with people. Um, I, I just ask them, you know, do you believe this? Uh, and that belief will be, if they truly do believe, that will be shown in their life. Um, God will change them. Anyone else? All right, well, let's, uh, let's close in prayer then. Uh, Father, we do thank you for this time we have. Lord, we, we do ask that you would help us not to be ashamed of, of the gospel. Help us to become experts in, in sharing this message with our friends and family and neighbors and uh, even strangers. And we ask that your Holy Spirit would, would be our guide as we reach out to the lost. And we ask that your kingdom would grow as a result of all of this. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.